You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans. Welcome to another exciting edition of Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays knowledge coming directly into your body, however you choose to accept it. I am your host, Ryan Andrews, back for another day of Blue Jays talk. Um, a much happier day of Blue Jays talk for reasons that we will not discuss here. Yeah, so be- because of what happened yesterday, we didn't have our usual debate segment, uh, a, po- a point counterpoint, as it will. Um, we we aren't going to have that today. This is going to be a more a more free flowing version of that, but because because he did so well last week in claiming one out of two victories, that number has been revised with recent results. Thank you, Marcus Stroman. Um, he is back to impart more knowledge because. Despite despite our rivalry, despite him being the no heart to my band of Care Bears, he is a good chat and a good a good person to have around to talk Blue Jays stuff. So I welcome back downtown Stephen Brown to the Locked On Blue Jays podcast. Stephen, thank you very much for having me back, Ryan. Um, I know that might not sound very enthusiastic. Um, you did take a couple shots at me with the Care Bear references, and then I shot back with some Dragon Ball Z Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! yesterday on Twitter, and Sean Doyle of Jays from the Couch, and formerly of this podcast, said that that was pretty embarrassing, but you know what? I'm just here to have fun. I, I greatly appreciated the references, actually, because... <laughs> Because all those people you mentioned were the cool ones. So, <laughs> Ser- seriously, Ash, how do you only have freaking 13 Pokemon? Freaking Gary has, like, all of them. Like, yeah. A- that Ash, is true. That Ash is true. Is he does have worst. all the ones that matter anyway. He's, he's one of the worst Pokemon trainers ever. Gives away half his roster. Come on. You know, he, he, he does just kind of run into luck along the way in his journey. Yeah. Yeah, I could I could debate the merits of Ash Ketchum's championship pedigree for a while, but that is not why the fans are here, Stephen. The fans are here to get doses of Blue Jays knowledge, and we will provide that for them. Starting with the uh, the comeback performance of last night, the the cardiac Blue Jays strike again with four runs in the eighth to secure a five two win over the Mariners and even up the series at one. Um, the big inning coming courtesy of Seattle's favorite punching bag, Juan Nicasio, after wrecking James Paxton's 16 strikeout start against Oakland on May 2nd, he was back at it, uh, last night. He could not get an out. Just everyone was wrapping balls into the outfield. The, the only, the only out he got was gifted to him when Kevin Pillar, essentially tried to pull matrix moves to get to second base and get another double off him. Could not do it. Could not get around the tag. Um, but, but Steven, I, I, aside from that inning, it was a, it was a bit rough to watch former blue Jay reliever Wade LeBlanc start just dishing on the blue Jays, much like Paxton did the night before. But, um, 
what what did you take away from this? Because, like I said, without Nicasio going out there into an eighth inning role that really he should not be in, let's let's face it. Without Nicasio there, this this was shaping up to be another disappointing outing for that Blue Jays offense. Well, you know, I mean, it was a game of basically what you expected. I mean, the Blue Jays offense didn't uh, really show up much at all, except for that one inning against Nicasio. The starting pitching was bad. Again, I mean, Jaime Garcia gave up five walks and five innings pitched, and the bullpen was spectacular, and they got some hitting from Teoscar Hernandez, who had three hits and four at-bats, so maybe he's coming out of the little bit of slump that he was in. Russell Martin pitched in with a double, and he played third base in this one with Josh Donaldson DHing, and Curtis Granderson even got got an at-bat in this game. Which is good to see. That means Grandy's healthy and, and can be contributing again. Um, yeah, we, we could talk about Jaime Garcia right quick. It was a bad outing. He still dropped his ERA by a run. Um, but yeah, the five walk, and I, I love the, the quote from John Gibbons after the game about when he went out there in the first inning to talk to Garcia and just, he's like, yeah, I went out there and I've just basically said, throw the dang ball over the plate. So... You know, and that's why John Gibbons is the best. I mean, you can't yeah. you can't debate that. That is that is peak Gibby. It's not getting any better than that. Yeah, I it's I said as much last night. It's one of the reasons why I absolutely love John Gibbons as manager of this, of this team, and he he's he's almost the perfect manager for the Toronto market when you compare him to like with Mike Babcock, who will be very vague. You'll you'll joke with the reporters, but he'll usually be pretty vague on what on what's going on. John Gibbons just like. Yeah, I just told him to stop throwing like an idiot. So, <laughs> so I I absolutely love Gibbons for that. Um, it was another short start. Garcia could only go five innings. But yeah, like you said, that bullpen it it continues to amaze. Uh, Sung Juan O, oh, John Axford, and Tyler Clippard the. The cadre of relievers signed for about the same cost as Juan Nicasio, actually far less than Juan Nicasio. Um, all all three of them go out and pitch scoreless innings. All three of them now have ERAs below 170, which is amazing. Um, we saw Tyler Clippard come out there to get the save, but it, it seems like Gibbons is more than willing to mix and match with his relievers, which I actually love that strategy for this bullpen. It, it doesn't hem them into like, okay, Tyler Clippard has to be our ninth inning guy. It allows him to mix and match. Like, like because O's more of a power pitcher, because Tapera's more of a power pitcher, you can use them in proper, in different innings and then have like the, the softer tossing Axford. I say softer tossing. He's still got a fastball around 95. And then Clippard with that changeup coming in at the end and getting that soft contact. That, I don't know if you, if you saw that first changeup to Segura in the ninth inning from Clippard, but that was a filthy pitch. It was downright nasty. I'd be surprised if that didn't end up on the Pitching Ninja uh, Twitter page afterwards. That, that's what I that's what I figured, because it was, oh, that the sink on that sucker was so good. Oh, uh, you know what? Like, it's almost like a lot of people were really worrying John Gibbons and the Blue Jays were going to do with that bullpen after the news of yesterday broke. But I mean, it's like you were saying, like, it's like they almost have a three headed monster out there in the pen 
with Tyler Clipper, John Axford, and Sangwon Oh. But then you also have guys like Ryan Tapera and Danny Barnes who have been very, very good this season. And I mean, there there doesn't need to be an assigned role for anybody out there because all, all, all of those guys are very capable of just coming in and doing what they do well. And that's just get guys out. Yeah, exactly. And even a guy like Jake Patrick came up and pitched in yesterday's game started to look like that ground ball pitcher that we saw with the White Sox that kind of kind of got the real with the injury. So if Patrick can step up too in this absence, that, that just further solidifies what that bullpen can do and what a weapon it can be. Um, let, let's turn to the offense because, um, as we said, outside of taking batting practice off of Juan Nicasio, there really wasn't much to write home about for that offense outside of Teoscar Hernandez doing Teoscar things with that home run off of Wade LeBlanc, which really should not have been the only run Wade LeBlanc gave up, but whatever. This is where we're at with this Blue Jays offense. Um, aside from that, it was really good to actually see some of these struggling Blue Jays get up against Nicasio and get solid hits. That Donaldson uh, doubled, snapped an 0-for-19 slump for the bringer of rain since that doubleheader against Cleveland. Um... Justin Smoke getting getting a solid hit off of that. And then Russell Martin being able to leg out a double for a hit. These these were all great things to see from some Blue Jays hitters who I don't think got enough attention, given that everyone seems to focus their anger on Kendris Morales swinging at curveballs. But these, these were extended slumps for some of the key Blue Jays hitters. So to see them come out of that last night in a, in a tight spot in the late game, it was... I, I actually took more from that than seeing, like, a T. Oscar home run. I think I said that earlier in the night, that I was more excited to see Solarte make solid contact on a single than I was to see T. Oscar hit a home run. Because that, that that big inning last night, that eighth inning, is is vital to success in this league. When you can generate that inning, then you never feel like you're out of a game. And it was a problem with last year's Blue Jays, where that you never thought they were going to be able to string hits together. You, you prayed for a bunch of solo home runs, which is not a route to success in this league. So to be able to take a pitcher and just completely knock him around the park like that, that is what I want to see out of this Blue Jays team. Well, you know what? And I mean, a lot has been made of Russell Martin's um, 143 batting average or whatever it is now after that double. I'll give him a little more credit. 145. Okay. Um, but I mean, his his struggles are something that's well documented. I mean, if we want to rewind the clock a little bit to the beginning of the 2016 season, um, he started off that season pretty much the exact same way that he's gotten off to this year. Um, up until May 24th of 2016, Russell Martin was batting 172 with a 423 OPS. And then on May 25th, something magical happened. The Blue Jays were in New York um, for a road trip, and Russell Martin hit two home runs in that game on May 25th. And ever since that game in 2016, Russell Martin batted 252 with an 844 OPS and finished the season with 20 home runs. So, I mean, yeah, his struggles are a little bit concerning, but when you consider that he's done this in the past and still finished really, really strong towards the end of the season, I'm not really too worried about it. Hmm. And that's a very good point. I mean, in, 
and it's something that the Blue Jays have seen in multiple batters this year. It's why Devin Travis got sent down. It's why Randall Grichuk is in DL purgatory. Um, but I, again, like you said, you want to see that kind of catalyst to it. And if, if Russell Martin can take this double as a catalyst, then, and if he can turn it into another two-home run game, because I'm not saying two-home run games are, are guaranteed to find success for batters. I mean, again, Kendris Morales... Enough said. <laughs> so you argued that point enough already on this show. I, I'm done. I'm done defending him. I'm <laughs> so done. But yeah, and and to see see Russell do that, and and to see him play very productive third base as well, um, especially on like those throws across the infield, he was just whipping those suckers across. I I'm act, I'm actually quite fine with it and and i'm happy to see him start to build on on this season with with his offense and and i think it's part of what makes him such a valuable part of this blue jays organization for for a stretch that i i actually you know what steven let's let's take a break and we'll say this because i want to i want to talk to you about where russell martin ranks in the Blue Jays pantheon of catchers. And I think I think that's best served if we do that after this message. Okay. All right, let's do this, Steven. I, I, I said a few days ago that Russell Martin was the best Blue Jays catcher in the franchise's history. And I said that he was over Pat Borders, which I've seen Pat Borders come up a few times. Um, no, no, he's not. Pat Borders is most famous for wearing a camo helmet. No. Um, but I want to get your your opinion on where Russell ranks as as a Blue Jay, um, so to speak. Because he's had a great career like with the Yankees, with the Dodgers, with the Pirates. But I wanted to get specifically as a Blue Jay. Well, I mean, when they signed him uh, before the 2015 season, like the thing that was preached in that press conference was that Russell Martin came with a winning pedigree. He had said something where he had made the playoffs almost almost every single year that he played in the, in the big leagues with the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Pirates. Um, and he came in, and the Blue Jays weren't that great in, in 2015 until they made all those trades. But they did end up making the playoffs. And then they made the playoffs again in 2016. And it just really goes to show what a really good catcher can do for your pitching staff because the pitching staff was remarkable in 2016 and I mean I haven't been around long enough to remember Pat Borders or many of the other great Blue Jay catchers like Buck Martinez and Darian Fletcher and Ernie Witt but I will say that Russell Martin is among the best of them just because of what the Blue Jays have been able to accomplish and also his individual numbers because he's he's no slouch in any statistical category. Yeah, he's definitely the the best free agent catcher they brought in because when your competition is Benji Molina and Greg Myers, it's it's not much of a contest there. But yeah, like I when we were talking about this pre-show, um you you brought up uh Ernie Witt, who who admittedly I had forgotten. I am a younger Blue Jays fan. I don't really remember seeing much Pat Borders either. I remember seeing him with that camo helmet in Seattle. So 
I, I didn't see a lot of his production, but I knew what kind of production he had, at least from the stats in the Ken Griffey Jr. game I had from Super Nintendo. They weren't great. <laughs> so... The only thing that I remember about Pat Borders is I can't remember the bread company, but for a while, my brother collected baseball cards. I'm pretty sure it was like Post or something like that. And like the loaf of bread came with baseball cards and there was a Pat Borders card with him (laughs) wearing like a tank top shirt and he's holding the World Series trophy. So that's the only real thing that I remember about Pat Borders. Oh, my. Yep. A a tank top (laughs) and a camo helmet. The Pat Borders story. (laughs) Um, <laughs> but yeah, just, just putting into context, um, what, what Martin has done in comparison, like, especially if you take like the last, like last 20 years, again, I'm, this is not to disparage what Ernie Witt did in a Blue Jays uniform. He was a rock for those early Blue Jays teams when they really needed something they could hold on to. Ernie Witt was there just consistently producing behind the plate for them. So this is not to disparage him. But I, I would argue that Russell Martin is more important and more valuable to this Blue Jays franchise with, with as you said, what he's been able to do behind the plate to steady these younger pitchers and and get strikes for his, for his battery mate. And, and then this versatility that he's shown off in recent years, this ability to play third. It's so rare in catchers nowadays to have a guy like that. I, the only one who springs to mind immediately is Austin Barnes with the Dodgers. But to have a catcher who can actually go out and, and play third base and not be diminished and then immediately come back to catching. It's such a boon in a time where eight man bullpens have left benches incredibly thin so to be able to get that kind of versatility, I, I know it's something the Blue Jays have preached, especially with their acquisitions in, re- in recent years, getting Solarte, who can play the entire infield, uh, bringing up Guriel, who's, tr- who's been trained to be this Ben Zobris, Marwin Gonzalez type who can play all the positions. Having a guy like Martin, who you know you can have on the field without having to give him like regular days of rest and... And, and let's be honest, the the emergence of Luke Maley this season has helped with that because I Luke Maley had a triple last night, and I don't know what that means for the future of humanity. But the fact he's able to do that, the fact he's able to come out from beyond the plate and still contribute in that manner to still be that kind of captain on the field, it, it's a huge boon for this Blue Jay squad to be able to have him out there consistently. Right, and, and I think it's also important to point out that Ernie Witt did play over 1,200 games with the Blue Jays compared to Russell Martin's 381. So it's hard to really break down the success that Russell Martin's had and say that you know he's 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 better than Ernie Witt just because mm. the volume of games isn't there. But in terms of of us as younger Blue Jays fans and the way that we see Russell Martin and the attitude that he comes in, you know, you know, it's, it's like he's a muscle Martin and, you know, he's got that that really thick beard going and the crazy hair and stuff like that. And it's just something that I'll never forget. And I'm sure for older Blue Jays fans, they remember Ernie Witt in that crazy 10 home run game that they had. I think he had two or three of them or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he was there 
for all those earlier runs. And I'm sure if if you spoke to your dad or if I spoke to my dad, they would say Ernie Witt. But I think for this generation of Blue Jays fans, it's hands down Russell Martin. It's a landslide. Yeah. No, 100%. The the only thing he needs, Russell Martin, is like a Velcro strip on the top of his bandana to keep his helmet on. Because I swear <laughs> to God, I've seen that helmet more on the dirt than I have on his head. Like, he, it just does not stick. And, I mean, he's got such great hair that just go ahead and whip off the helmet. It doesn't matter. <laughs> That, that is the one thing my dad has told me about Russell Martin. He's like, I don't know what he's doing with that hair. You need to cut that crap off his head. I'm like, <laughs> oh, dad. I know. He, he still doesn't like Kevin Pillar for swinging at everything. Um, you know what? I think I think most dads just reach an age where they can't grow their hair like that anymore. And then they're just, <laughs> they're just mad and jealous that everyone uh, else who can. Oh, uh, that's been my dad for 30 years. Um... um but yeah no i i don't i don't really have a segue to the ending of this show off of that talking about my dad being jealous of russell martin's hair um well i mean you know who else has really great hair on the blue jays and that's lourdes Gurriel jr i want to know what he puts in his hair to make it that sleek and that slim and i mean in yesterday's game he had a really great play at shortstop. Mm. Yeah, we should we should mention this. Thank you, thank you for reminding me. Um, yeah, the, you you brought this up in the pre-show. The the play he made to get uh, Juan Segura hung up between third and home during that first inning to to limit the damage Seattle was able to do. Um, it, it was a really heads up mature play. The way the way he was able to outweigh Segura because Segura was halfway to home by the time Guriel got that ball. Right, and like you could you could see Segura watching him, like expecting the rookie to to go to first to try and get the out. But when Segura when Guriel went home, that that was a really smart heads up baseball play that I think is something the Blue Jays have been looking for out of their prospects because we we talked about some of the other guys who have not done that. Right, exactly. I mean, it was painful to watch for so many years, seeing guys like J.P. and Zibia and Anthony goes come up through the farm system, and they just lacked fundamentals. They, mm. they, they had the talent, the raw talent was there, but the baseball IQ was not. And it's just, it's so refreshing to see younger players come up through the Blue Jays system, and they have a purpose, they have a role. Like, they developed Lourdes Gurriel Jr., like you were saying earlier, um, the show before we started recording, that they kind of groomed him to be that super utility guy instead of going out there and dumping a boatload of money on Ben Sobrist. Mm. Ex- exactly. And and it also kind of speaks to this whole, um, hey, we're just going to take the sons of baseball players. We figure that's a good strategy. I, it it does help because these are, these are kids who have grown up around the game, grown up with fathers telling them every time, like, this is what you do. In this situation, they, their their baseball IQ is so high already before they come into the organization that you you don't have to tell them much. You, they know. And like Guriel's the same. He comes from one of the most prolific baseball families in Cuba. He's grown up with this game, so he he knows exactly what to do. And and it's it's starting to pay dividends already for this Blue Jays club. Just the. The bat will come with Lourdes Gurriel. The, he was he was 0 for 4 last night, the only Blue Jay to go 0 for 4. But the bat will come with him. 
Like, I'm not worried about that. I'm more happy seeing him play such heads-up defense already in his young career. Right, I think you hit it right on the head there with that last point. Or right on the nose. as um... Right right on the tip of the hair, which I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I can do. Because that, that must have, like, Crisco or something in it. It definitely does. I, I, there's some kind of fancy dancy cream that he puts in there. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to do more research to find out what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that is research I will have to undertake on my own time, Stephen, because we are coming to the end of this episode of Locked On Blue Jays. Why don't you remind the people where they can see your stuff and get more more takes on anti heroes from from TV shows of yesteryear. Well, you know what? I, I had a piece on jaysfromthecouch.com come out last week about the Jays' optimal lineup. So if you guys want to head over there and give that a read, I would very much appreciate that. Uh, and I should have a piece um, coming out sometime this week or sometime next week about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Oh. Uh, just just trying to be a little bit objective because I know a lot of people will just go on Twitter and be like, call up Vlad, call up Vlad. But I mean, I'm I'm one of those as well. But I I think you might be spoiling our next point counterpoint, sir. <laughs> well, I'm I'm sure that'll be a very very heavily debate that will end with me making some kind of irrelevant uh, reference to some cartoon or or you. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I I've got a few. You, you tuxedo mask you. That's right. No- Figure that one out. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I mean, other than that, you can find me on Twitter at DTSB underscore 98. That stands for downtown sports because I have the hottest takes around and that's pretty much it. Awesome. And you can find me on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's NeoAC18. Um, I will continue to be on there uh, giving my takes on the Blue Jays, on the happenings around baseball. Um, try not to give as many fast food takes as I used to because, you know, it's, it's summer. I'm trying to, trying to slim down a little bit, but, uh, but for, for all those other things, you can find me and you can talk to Steven. Steven, as always, you are a worthy adversary and a excellent conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me on, Ryan. This, this show was very strange. We didn't really argue too much. It wasn't, you know, that that hate and rivalry wasn't there. So I'm really looking forward to getting that back up off the ground. <laughs> so say, we can be genteel if we want to. But, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the fans are expecting more vitriol the next time you come on. So, you know, build up that anger. Um, you know, go, go on Twitter, yell at some eggs, do whatever you need to do. <laughs> until next time ryan andrews all right so you I'm haven't gonna... heard the last of me <laughs> i'm sure so for stephen brown i'm ryan andrews thank you for listening to this episode of locked on blue jays take care